this time of year. Hey, by the way, Danny and Darren, glad you're hanging out in amateur hour again. It, it's weird for so many reasons. Like last year, we were figuring out what the entire world would look like or if it would end, um, if there would ever be baseball again. Um, and then what would the draft look like? The draft shrunk. It was unique. It was bizarre. But now here we are a year later, kind of dropping into what is supposed to be normal. And you're thinking, okay, the draft is tomorrow. The draft is June. And then you remember the draft is in July. It's at the all-star game. And there may be some smaller leagues that players will play in, even after they get done with their high school. But this show, these two guests, Danny, are draft guys. I mean, I don't care when it is. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's one round or I don't care if it's 100 rounds. These dudes are getting called early. You nailed it with this show. So Henry Davis, incredible. And I think what makes him incredible, the, the mock drafts put together by Perfect Game, the most recent, uh, Vinny Servino, Brian Sikowski, have him going at six overall to the Diamondbacks. Davis, actually both these guys, but Davis, what I love about him, he has taken this spring to go from you know late first round to gosh, could be second, third, fourth, fifth overall pick. He's incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited that we got them. It's harder and harder these days to get guests because not only are they rounding the corner into the postseason, but they have finals. Like school is ending for them. People don't really realize that their, their SIDs are really taking extra care of them right now to make sure that they're paying most attention to their grades and the work that they have to do to get ready for their games and Henry Davis. I was so excited to get a chance to talk to him because I've never talked to him, but just watching him reading about him, Darren, dude, this guy doesn't miss the ball. He doesn't miss the ball. He prides himself on his plate discipline and he only has, let me look at these numbers. He only has 18 strikeouts and 149 at bats while we're recording this. He's walked 29 times he has a hundred total bases this season a thousand ops plus it's crazy and and he's so special he's changing the way that we think about catchers he's not just the guy behind the plate um you know receiving the pitches he's also doing damage and he's you know he mentioned jt real muto obviously that guy does damage on both sides as well and i think henry davis is really special his family is so important to him we got to learn about his family and it was cool. I'm, I'm so glad that we had a chance to catch up with him before the draft. Yeah, he, he's a guy. I mean, an, an interesting Keith Law had a, had a cool comp in The Athletic, and he said Buster Posey. Saw and uh, he, he said, you know, that's who I see. And, and I love that comp. I think it's, I think it's wonderful, especially the, the kind of youthful resurgence that Buster and the Giants are having this mm -hmm. year. So another guy who, uh, again, didn't even have nearly the love in the press coming out of high school's Jordan Wicks. And he chooses to go from Arkansas. Now, he had an amazing high school career, let's be clear. Like, amazing. Twice, two times All-State. But wasn't a guy that was going to be picked high out of high school. Didn't go anywhere local. Went to K-State. And, uh, and we'll find out, you know, obviously why. Why K-State? And just goes off. And, and, and you look at him. He goes right around pick number 12 or 13. Mock draft has him going 13 at Philadelphia. Here's another high first-round guy who has managed to evolve. And there was a bounce in his time. And while summer was confusing in 2020 for, for some, it wasn't for him. He found two places to play. He put up like ridiculous microscopic ERAs. And for Wicks, much like Davis, I, I'm excited about finding out the science of how this young man was put together, what brings him to this point. We tend to gravitate towards the SEC, right, when it comes to 
podcasts asking guys to talk about college baseball. We just do because the, the talent there is on another planet. But I love the fact that we get to stay in the Big 12 with Jordan and watching, just looking at his pictures, Darren, for on the website, on K-State's website of how he's grown. He added some rec specs in 2020 and, and just, you know, his presence on the mound, the way he walks off of it, the way he exclaims himself after a good pitch, after a strikeout. I love to see that. And he's been flying under the radar, but not anymore. So we have a chance to catch up with him, learn about his backstory and learn about him. I just want to know who this guy is, what drives him because he seems super unique and he is playing at a really good level and he's doing it in the big 12 for K-State and that's special and unique and different. So stories like these always round me up. So I'm excited to get a chance to catch up with him as well. Yeah. He had a, he had a disgusting year as far as when COVID right before it hit. So it was his whole 20 was ridiculous, including I, I should have mentioned that his spring. I, I think he gave up a run before COVID hit. I mean, if anybody was bitter about COVID, it, it should have been Jordan Wicks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? I have to stop. I've given up one run. Um, so this is a cool podcast. I like this one. You nailed it, man. I mean, you nailed it as far as reeling, reeling guys that are, that are, that are looking right into the eyes of having their lives changed, of trying to stay healthy, of hoping to play deep into the postseason. Um, these two guys are, are top shelf guys. Uh, we'll also bring in a, a little piece of a perfect game college baseball with Hunter Pence and Justin Campbell, who recently threw a no hitter for Oklahoma State, get inside his head just a little bit. Excited to do that because he's he's a Shohei Otani like two way player, as I get to call his games for the Angels. A couple of scout size segments as a couple of the great PG scouts and leaders will open up their notebooks. So that's it. This is, this is a hell of a podcast. I mean, again, kudos to you. I'm excited to have these talks. We have. Louisville catcher Henry Davis and I'm really excited to catch up with you you and I haven't had a chance really to get to know one another but your name just continues to rise I think over the past three now seasons that you've been in college a student athlete and just kind of looking at some of your numbers from 2020 and and seeing the potential that you did have coming into that season and then we move ahead to this season and man your numbers are ridiculous I don't have the whiff rate numbers but just kind of reading about you and the plate discipline and the pitch selection um, that you have is kind of and in a different galaxy than everybody else right now. And I was looking at your numbers. You've only struck out 18 times and 149 at bats. You've got 29 walks. Your, your slug percentage is 671. I mean, your numbers are ridiculous and you know this, but I want to know like the secret. What, what is the secret behind that plate discipline? Because you are still young and you're still developing. So tell me what you do to work on that. Well, I kind of... I don't know if it's just me being super competitive or good hand-eye coordination, but I've always taken it, taken it very personal when I strike out and I don't like letting guys strike me out. So that's something when I get to two strikes, I choke up on the bat, good two strike approach, and I'm just committed to moving the ball. That's something we talk about a lot as a program. I think the plate discipline kind of grew as I, matured I mean as as a freshman I didn't strike out much but I also didn't walk a lot um and then kind of understanding as a hitter like if I'm not going to strike out a lot it means I'm putting the ball in play or making contact I don't know 
80, 90% of the time I swing the bat, like I got to be swinging at really good pitches. And then once I did that, I got myself in better counts and two Oh, three, one counts, you're going to do damage. So when I started doing that, walks went up, plate discipline kind of grew along that process. Is that something that, so, so are you said you take pride in that, but maybe at what point did you realize this is really important? This is something that can raise my draft stock. This is something that can help my team win. Obviously the end road is the national championship, right? And, and you're hoping your team get to that point. I think there's six games left right now uh, in the regular season. And like, when did that become a realization to you that like, this is super important to my personal game? I never really thought about it in that sense. It's kind of always just like, go up, have a good at bat. I mean, there are a lot of ways to do that. Move a guy over, get a guy in. Uh, I mean, sack, fly, walk, hit, homer. You can do a lot of different things at the plate. And when you get yourself in good counts, that's only going to help your chances. So understanding that and understanding, like you said, like that's how a team wins. That's what good offenses do. And I mean, we have a lot of guys who do that. So it's definitely a team thing and something we take a lot of pride in. Henry, in 2017, you went to the National Showcase. I remember watching you work. It was fun to watch you work because back then, man, you could catch. You can catch now, you could catch then. But if I were to take the 2021 you know, man that's sitting in front of me and, and put him in the same room with the 2017 guy, what would be some of the most dramatic differences? And uh, not really as a man or a person, I'd like to get to that, but as a baseball player, that guy in 17, that guy now, four years later, what are the dramatic differences? I think uh, it was a lot of getting in the weight room. Um, I was about the same height. And when I grew, I think I was like this height and 150 pounds as a sophomore. And then like 175 as a junior. And I mean, growing into my body came with the barrel control. I always wanted to be great. And I felt like at times when I wasn't, when, I mean, I wasn't that good in high school. I felt like I was going to be and I would always see somebody in the mirror who I could be. And I felt like I was chasing. And a lot of that progress came in the weight room from hard work. But again, a lot of it working with our hitting coaches here, learning from really good hitters. I mean, Logan Wyatt was amazing talking to me about plate discipline and stuff. And then you learn situational hitting, which isn't talked a lot, talked about a lot in high school. And you learn how pitching coaches work and pitching coaches are going to come at you in certain situations. So it's been a long process, but the most important thing would just be, I mean, I'm probably 45 pounds heavier than I was then. So definitely helped a little bit. I'm dying to know where that comes from because a lot of people can look in the mirror and see the person that they want to be. Um, I should restate that. Not a lot of people can see that quite frankly, a lot of people lack the confidence to see, what they want to be, what they hope to be. A lot of people can't see that. So where does the background come from that, you know, when, when you were going to national in 17 or playing travel ball for tri-state arsenal before then, and you looked in the mirror, where does the background come from that you were able to do that? You were able to forecast yourself again. Not everybody can do that. They hope it goes well, but they don't truly see it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I've been that way my whole life. And even as a, like, I was a 12 year old kid who grew late. And I remember going to Cooperstown and everybody's like six foot and talking about dudes throwing 80 and stuff. And I was still like five feet tall. And, you know, you see yourself compared to all these guys. And I didn't feel like at a time where there were a lot of factors separating us, like the height or the weight or guys hitting puberty early. I mean, 
I still felt like I could do it. So it's something that stuck with me since I was a kid and I've always wanted to win. I've always been super competitive. I mean, huge sore loser in board games with the family. And I think it kind of grew as I grew as a baseball player, as I grew as a competitor and a worker. So it's been a long process, but definitely all adds up. So everyone loves to compare, right? That's the name of the game. You know, like this guy comps to this guy, this guy comps to this guy. And I don't want to do that with you, but I do think the catching position is so interesting because I think it's evolved a lot, even in the past couple of years and in the way that the position um, is on the field, the way that uh, catchers are handling the pitches. There, there's so many different things I feel like that the position has evolved into and the evolution of the athlete who is the catcher. It's not just the guy who's behind the plate, who's not swinging the bat as well. I, and I, I think that you're so true to that. What, what have you seen in the evolution and maybe has your game evolved with it? Or have, have you kind of always just been the same guy behind the plate? Um, I definitely, I think I was better at catching and throwing early on. And I, as I got stronger, I could hit the ball a long ways, but the hit ability came later as I grew and matured in the batter's box because a lot of its approach. You can be a good hitter with a bad swing, but if you're a bad hitter with a good swing, you're not going to see the results you expect. So learning that and understanding that growing as a hitter and not a swinger through college has definitely helped. Um, I mean, in the game of baseball, I really like how guys receive and I know there's a lot I need to learn and get better with on that side. So that's something I'm excited about because having potential on that side is something, I mean, if you tell me I can grow in a certain area that it's only going to fire me up. So understanding that. And I mean, I look at guys like JT in the big leagues where I want to be a, as close to a five tool catcher as there is where I can run a little bit, I can hit, throw, defend, do a little bit of all of it. Okay. You're also a New Yorker. And I think that that is so cool. And I want to give you all the love because we always we're giving love to everyone else, right? New York kids. Uh, it's, it's a different ball game when you, when you're coming from New York playing in the different weather and whatnot, and also just not always getting the looks, right? Like if you look at your PG rankings, when you graduated from high school, you've clearly gone above and beyond what anyone was projecting you to do. Can you kind of just speak to being a New York kid, playing baseball in New York, and, and maybe why that makes you a little grittier than everyone else? I mean, I think the cold weather might have a little bit of factor to do with that. I mean, we never have the best high school facilities, and a lot of fields you play on don't have, with the, have a fence on it, but that doesn't really affect how anybody from there loves the game or appreciates it. I mean, you grow up on it. A lot of people there are Yankees fans. And I mean, that's a baseball city. So it's part of us. It's part of the culture. And I mean, New Yorkers are tough. So that's something I grew with and I tried to carry here. But I mean, in regards to projections and stuff, I never really feel like any of that's real. It's just a guess. So even when now some people might be higher on me than they were in high school or whatever. I try not to believe it either way, just because if I felt like they were wrong when they were low on me, why would they be right now? So try and keep the blinders up as much as possible and just work hard no matter what the projections say. All right. Anecdotes, if you don't mind, I'd love for you just to give me a couple of 
uh, of anecdotes, really just one anecdote about each person I'm going to ask you about, you know, a quick story as to why this person is important to you and maybe how they've impacted your life. And if you have a, a quick memory about when that occurred or what occurred, uh, that's indicative of your relationship. And let, let's start with with Coach McDonald and, you know, maybe a moment in time when you two spent time together or he was in front of the entire team that, you know, really signifies your relationship. Um, I'd say he really showed me how the small things add up to winning when I was a freshman. I remember like one of the first practices on a Monday, every Monday we do off first and catchers are trying to throw dudes out and like I'm throwing against Jake Snyder, Tyler Fitzgerald, like dudes who are burners. And I throw down a second and like, I think I try and overthrow the first one and I throw it into right field. He just walks over. He's like, you know, if that happens, like cards lose, right? Like we'll lose. And you feel like it's not a big deal making one bad throw. If I make the next six right on the money, but all that stuff adds up. We take a lot of pride in practice on doing the little things and really the situational parts of baseball and understanding where on a rundown, what are we trying to do and what are we learning and why are we calling this first and third play where all those little things add up and they matter for wins. So that's definitely a memory I have there. One short story about your mom, Andrea, please. I mean, she, she is a very hard worker and you don't really understand that growing up and it doesn't make sense. Like you don't really process it and I don't really appreciate it till I'm this age or I mean, I'm not even sure if I fully appreciate it yet, but I'd always wake up and she would have already been working no matter what. And then she'd work and I'd always come down and there'd be breakfast made and she'd have laundry done or she'd be doing something and you don't really process it that she's doing all, all of that on top of being a mom and on top of having a job and the responsibilities that come with that. But looking back on it, I definitely say like the waking up and that she's already in her office working and there's breakfast on the table, like that shows something. And I want to be a hard worker like that. Your dad, Christopher. So He's somebody who'll never like pay somebody to do something he can do himself. So there are so many times as a kid where like, I don't know, like oil prices spike. So we're going down in the, in the backyard to chop down a tree and save it for next year or something. And I mean, a lot of stuff like that, where we're just spending time working together or, doing chores where neighbors were paying people to do it. And I didn't really understand my dad, like then I'm friends with the kids, like dad, why are they not helping like their dads do this stuff? And he's like, Oh, cause we can do it ourselves. And that's all that matters. So another thing where my parents have showed me what hard work meant. And, and real quick, sorry, Danny, it's been the two of them, right? Throughout your life. They've, they've made it through together. No, they, they separated when, when I was in high school. And so they've managed to put you, they've managed to keep you first though. Yeah, for sure. How about that? That's incredible. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah. And there within lies the challenge. I've been through that too. And it's always hard um, to keep your children first when you go through something like that. You're lucky man. You know that, right? 
Yep. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I don't really have any more. I, I did, you know, I, I did think that picture um, um, from Kenya with the giraffe was pretty special. And maybe you could share that story because it's kind of sounds like your family has been the foundation, the roots for you and, and taught you these lessons that maybe at the time, like you said, you didn't know why you were being taught these things, but they've all come to fruition. They literally have all been planted within you. And, and you're seeing that the, all the fruits of that labor come, come together now. And, um, you know, we reached out to you for, for a lot of different reasons, but obviously, you know, we've got the draft coming up in a few months and, um, you know, your name is up there. So maybe can you share that story just to kind of Put a nice bow on what your family means to you you know take me back to that picture and, and why it exists well the picture from kenya exists because my grandma wanted to do a trip there with all of us and we never got to do that but last year my dad decided he was going to take my brother and my sister and i and we went over there and it was a lot of fun and i don't get to see my family too much being so far from home and my sister's working and my brother's in school so it was very a very nice experience to have, and I'm very grateful for it. Scout's Eyes, part of this podcast, certainly enjoy having these conversations. And it's not really a conversation. It's, it's kind of as you, you go into the reality show booth confessional, and you just turn on the microphone and go. So let's start with Jared Goodwin, who's coached, who has led at the college level, certainly as a coach, who has scouted, who has been a part of careers of so many guys that have gone on to the big leagues. What's he seen lately? Jared, go. I wanted to talk a little PG Tech today. We've really put an initiative together to bridge the gap between what professional players have at their fingertips and what youth players have the potential uh, to use for development uh, and on our side use for scouting. Uh, it's a, a constant battle to bridge the gap between the old and the new and use our platform to allow the masses to have the same advantages as a professional baseball player. And what we've done is we put a case together that captures um, a player's bat, uh, both plane and bat speed from a, from a sensor. We use a launch monitor to uh, get the output, um, as well as a, a standard exit velocity with pocket radar. Uh, we've, we've started 3D body capturing with K-Motion and using fast speed uh, cameras such as Edutronics to sync all of them in one and paint the entire picture and what what the plan is is to make sure that everybody comes to a pg showcase or even a pg tournament here in the future you get the technology and the science to be able to go and develop and it's not just developing a uh, a same swing it's not an everyman per se it's the developing your swing and how you can get better and on the flip side of that it allows us to take the subjectivity out of scouting it allows science to prove what the eye already sees in most cases and allows us to identify the outliers just based on physical maturity. Uh, where, the, where the subject, in this case, the, the youth prospect is um, and allowing us to, to identify those kids that uh, may, they, they might just have not gone through that growth spurt. They might just be a little, uh, a little weaker in terms of physical maturity, which we all know happens at a, you know, at different times for for different people, so bringing this to the masses and and allowing people to come and get captured 
um, find out their own data, give them their own, own data, and then working towards giving them a protocol for development is the most cutting edge thing that's ever happened, uh, really, when it comes to large groups of people and being able to give this type of, of technology and science to uh, the masses at all age you know, levels. It doesn't matter when and where you get captured. It's starting to build your swing and giving you a roadmap to be the best player that you can be. So it's exciting times. Uh, that's going to lead us into pitching, which has never really been done on a large scale. Um, so it's, it's a completely innovative process and one that uh, we're excited to just lead the charge when it comes to um, player development and scouting. Jordan, 2020 was tragic for a lot of reasons, right? And uh, it's fun, by the way. This is Jordan Wicks. We told you about that in the open of this podcast. But um, Kansas State's Jordan Wicks experienced a unique 2020. And it was bad, right, for so many reasons. And we all understand that. We all get that. But if I'm going to peel away a lot of this stuff and put it on a shelf, not disregard it. I'm not going to disregard it. But then just focus on you and your baseball. I don't know that it could have been better. And I know that's a challenge, even as a human being. You know what I mean? There's the world and the empathy you have to show. And then there's what you did in the spring. You barely gave up a run uh, when you pitched in the spring before it shut down. Then when you finally found a place to play in the perfect timing league in Northwoods League, again, you barely gave up a run. Um, so as you look back on your 2020 um, and peel all the other stuff away, it was great for you, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it was it was a blessing in disguise is what I like to refer to it as, um, you know, there was there was obviously a lot going on on in the world. And, you know, the, the way I looked at it was, you know, I still got to find a way to get better. Um, I still got to find a way to get better at the little things, um, because, you know, a lot of what's going on in the spring right now is what you were able to get better at last year um, and using that for competition this year. Um, and so the the experience in the Northwoods um, was great for me. You know, I got to face a lot of good competition. I had to try out a lot of new things. Um, and a lot of that new stuff that I tried in the Northwoods and was able to get a lot better at has has helped me a lot in the spring. Are, are you, and the one thing I read about anyway, was the evolution of both your breaking balls, the curveball and the slider. Are you a two breaking ball guy? Expound upon that if so. Yeah, I, I have to. Um, I'm probably more of a primarily slider guy. Um, we will use the we use the curveball later on in games. Um, you know, if we need to mix in mix in a fourth pitch, give them a different look. Um, but for the most part, it's it's a three pitch mix right now, and we can we can dump the curveball in later on if we need to. So, but you did find last year in that wild 2020, you found both of those. If it were if it were the stock market and I was investing in both, I would have made some money. Is that correct? They both really rose in the stock market. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, we definitely made some adjustments, um, especially in the slider. Um, like what? You know, like what? And, Go ahead. I, I'm not going to wait for you to answer. Tell me what, what adjustments you made. Yeah. So um, I changed grips. You know, I went, I went kind of digging through the internet, looking up different pitchers who, who really specialize in sliders, what they, what they were throwing. And two of the, two of the guys that I, that I really looked at were Patrick Corbin and uh, Dustin May, what they do with theirs. 
Um, and there were a lot of similarities in their grips. And so it was something to where, like, if I look at it and I go, okay, this is something that's comfortable for these big leaguers and, and they're at a stage where I want to get to, you know, maybe it's something I, I play around with, with this certain grip. And I started throwing it. I liked it. You know, I made some, I made a little bit of adjustments to it myself. Um, you know, just the way I hold it, where I put my finger pressure, that sort of stuff. But, you know, it was something that, that I tried. I, I liked it a lot. And, and I use that grip to this day. I find all this so interesting because we often ask guys, who do you look at when, when you're trying to model your game or, or who do you like? And a lot of the answers we hear today from guys are I'm looking at myself. Um, we're hearing less and less. I'm watching this guy. Or I'm looking up this guy. I love that you went and looked at different guys and pitch grips and, and the evolution of a player and being comfortable with who you are, but taking little pieces from other guys, right. And other places is so important. I want to learn a little bit more about who you are and how you became who you are, because I see you on the mound. I see your swag. I see your personality and I love it. I love who you are. And I don't even know you, but I love watching you do your thing. So when did you kind of get really comfortable with who you are as a person and as a pitcher? Yeah, I think a lot of it happened in, in 2020, honestly, um, you know, where I really got that confidence at this level, um, you know, because pitching, obviously pitching and having that confidence at the high school level versus the college level are two very different things. Um, and so, yeah, coming into 2020, having that strong spring, going to the Northwoods, having that strong summer, um, you know, really gave me the confidence in the stuff that I've been working on, you know, is working and the stuff that I've, you know, been, you know, working my butt off for. Um, it's starting to pay off. And so just, you know, it gave me, it was kind of a little reminder to just keep doing those little things, keep working to get better at those little things. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll transition to the field. You're an Arkansas kid. You didn't travel too far for school. I'd love to know how you made the decision to go to K-State and play for their program, be a student athlete there. Yeah, you know, it was Kansas State was a was a team that showed interest in me uh, about my junior year. Um, you know, they came and they came and watched me pitch, told me they would like to have me on campus. Um, you know, I came up here and and everywhere I looked in Manhattan, you know, it was, it was all about Kansas State. You know, they're all about their purple, they're all about the Wildcats. Um, and, you know, it was something that I just I loved the atmosphere. I loved, you know, how everything's about family, you know, because that's something that really like resides well with with my values. Um, and so, you know, I just, I thought it was a perfect fit for me and, um, you know, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Why so comfortable your freshman year? I'm, I'm buying in on the 20 thing because we've talked about it a lot and you gave Danny an answer about it, which makes sense about kind of getting comfortable in your own spikes. But you and I both know that you're not supposed to go from high school to the big 12 and be the big 12 freshman of the year. That's not supposed to happen. That's for position players. That's for guys that you know, can run really fast and stuff like that. Uh, what was it? And, and I think it's cool because I want to dive deeper on this, your current relationship with your, your high school coaches, but what did they do your high school coaches to prepare you at Conway high school to be a dude that was the big 12 freshman of the year. Again, you're not supposed to do that. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they threw me in the waters early. Um, you know, I, I started pitching and hitting in high school as a freshman going against uh, juniors and seniors. So, you know, it was something that I wasn't, um, wasn't foreign to. Um, it was something that I had done before playing against guys that were older than me. Um, and I think one of the biggest things um, that's made me never afraid to, to compete against people older than me is, you know, I've got, a, I've got an older brother who's eight years older than me. Um, and when you grow up him beating on you in about every sport possible in the front yard, you know, it kind of prepares you for anybody that you're going to run into out there on the field. 
I love that answer. Hey, by the way, your high school coach's names, tell me some names of the guys who, who impacted you. Yeah. Uh, Noel Boucher is uh, my high school head coach. And then Barry Luters uh, was our uh, pitching coach. And they're coming around now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. They try to come to as many games as possible. It's uh, it's awesome. You know, I can't definitely couldn't be here without, without their support. And it's cool. It's interesting because um, interestingly enough, I'm 51 and, and my best friend, uh, and my mentor still, who I can be really brutally honest with, is my high school coach. I mean, he's in good mm-hmm. health, and and so that may not go away. You, you're lucky to have him. It is nice, isn't it? And it's nothing against Coach Hughes at all. I mean, you have great, mm-hmm. great coaches. They've done a great mm-hmm. job with you. But it's nice to have another separate sounding board, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I refer to it a lot as, you know, my inner circle. You know, I've got a I've got an inner circle of people that, you know, I I trust their opinion. You know, I know their opinion. You know, I know that they're going to give me an honest opinion in, in what's best for me. Um, and I know I can listen to those people, you know, because when you start when you start drawing in opinions from 10,000 different people from all sorts of different walks of life, you know, that's when you get pulled so thin and you can't you can't focus on what really what you really need to get better on what really matters. Um, and so, you know, having that core group of people that, um, you know, has your back and, and has your best interest at heart. Um, it's been it's been key for me. Danny, I'm gonna have to leave back and turn it to you because the maturity is overwhelming. I know. With someone, that, with someone that has a better and deeper perspective than, than this old man. So you go, you go. Wait, how old are you? I'm 21. Okay, 21. All right, 21 years old. So this inner circle is so special. I, I love hearing that. I'm also still very close with my high school softball coach and I adore him. Mm-hmm. He, he's made the biggest impact in my life. And um, he, he knew me at, at a really special time in my life. You know, when you're a high school kid, there's a lot going on. And, and those coaches who can, can really make um, an impact in that way become lifers and day ones, right? And inner circle people. So they know you. They know you really well. I want to know if I'm in the box facing you, who are you? What do I see? Like describe what I'm looking at on the mound. Oh, it's, it's definitely, um, intensity and fierceness. Um, you know, people, people give me crap all the time because, you know, I'm a completely different person on the field than I am off. It's like two complete opposites, um, off the field. I'm pretty laid back. You know, I like to joke around and laugh. Um, you know, when I'm pitching, I I barely talk. Um, it just looks like I'm, I'm mad at everybody when I'm out there on the mound and I, I get crap for it all the time. And it's pretty funny. I love that. And, and I think that that comes through and I, w- I didn't want to call you Jekyll and Hyde, but I'm glad that you said that about yourself instead of me. And I, I think that's pretty cool. When you watch major league games and you see, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys, um, Patrick Corbin and, and Dustin May, when you see them and when you watch big league games, what else do you take? Like, what else are you absorbing right now from the game that you think I, I like that? that's cool. I'm going to write that down and keep that for later. Or, uh, I don't know if I love that. I don't think I'm going to pick that up and take that on with myself. Yeah. You know, it's just, a lot of it is, um, how, how pitchers approach different types of hitters. Um, you know, one of the guys that I've seen, um, a lot of similarities in, in my game and his, and I've liked to watch a lot is John means a guy that's kind of jumped on the scene lately. You know, he's a guy with a good change up, um fastball he's got a good fastball you know obviously it's not like upper 90s um or anything like that you know which is similar to me and then he's got a good breaking ball um and so watching watching how he attacks hitters is one thing that I've really loved to pick up on this year um especially from a guy who's having a breakout season like he is 
Um, you know, it's one thing that I, I like to pay attention to and like to see, you know, just how he's, he's getting these different types of hitters out. It's so cool. So cool. So, uh, if the inner circle is going out golfing, uh, who wins? Oh man. Um, cause I know you're a rat on the links. I know you're out there all the time, oh, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I play, I play quite a bit. Probably if you ask coach Hughes a little too much, but you know, um, <laughs> Um, I would say I'm up there. Um, it's probably between me and, uh, my girlfriend's brother. Um, you know, cause we're both, we're both pitchers. And so, you know, we don't have anything else to do besides pitch and go play golf. So it's definitely, it's definitely between me and him. I love that. It's already like a Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox kind of thing about <laughs> playing golf. Hey, um, uh, tell us about your lovely girlfriend because we're all in life blessed to have someone to support us. Uh, and I think on a lighter note, uh, you shared she's a far superior athlete. Uh, her name and her name and the dream she is chasing. Tell us a little bit more, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, her name's Megan Lee. Uh, she runs track at, at Central Arkansas. Um, you know, she's, what does she she's run, amazing. By the way? So she is a heptathlete. So she does. She's actually heading to conference just now to do seven events in two days. Um, I, yeah, it's, I don't know how she she's does it. She's such a but, better athlete than you. Oh, I told absolutely. I, t I told her, I said, you know, at least we got some athleticism in the relationship, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, she's she's doing track and field. She loves it. Um, you know, she's she's awesome. She's she's my rocks. You know, she's the one that keeps me centered. Um, you know, when I when I go through the ups and downs of the season, you know, it's always nice to have that person to come back to and the person that that, that holds you centered. So. Amen. Amen, brother. Real quickly, when the when the inner circle gets together and has a meal, what what is the inner circle eating and, and sharing and enjoying? Mm. It's got to be steak. Um, you know, we got between my girlfriend and her brother, we got we got two pretty picky people right there. So we can't get too um, off of your standard. Steak is usually the pretty, uh, pretty safe answer. OK. All right. Very good. I did Are have you one grill more master at all, by the way, Danny? Are you a grill okay. master? Am I what? No, I'm asking him. Are you a grill master? I didn't. No. I didn't mean to interrupt you. My apologies. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely not. I'm. I'm an. I'm an eat master. <laughs> Fair I enough. eat the food. Fair enough. All right. We're on the same I, page. I meant to ask you this before. Is there significance to 33? There is. Um, so, um, the guy who coached me in travel ball since I was about four years old played at Kansas State, um, and he wore 33. And so the only thing I wanted when I got here was to wear that number, um, you know, and I've told him this because it's almost like a, it's, it's my way of saying thank you to him for what he's meant for my life and for my career, because there's absolutely no way I'd be here without him. Um, and so, you know, I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking one, taking one home, um, a Jersey um, and I'm going to try and I'm going to, I'm going to sign it and hopefully get it made up into a, uh, into a thing and give to him um, because, you know, there's nothing I can, I can do more to repay him. His and what's name? his name? Yeah. Uh, Scott Stroth. Scott Stroth. What was the yep. travel program? Uh, the It started out, so <laughs> he owns a Dairy Queen. So we started out as the Dairy Queen Crushers. Um, and then we became the Arkansas Prospects uh, when we got into high school. <laughs> and so, oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Great question, Danny. Great question. Scout's eyes again. I'm not sure where Jeremy Brown is going to go because this is a guy who can help build the PG All-American team or 
the 14 U Select Festival. He has such a way of seeing 12, 13, 14 year old athletes projecting what they might be when it comes into their draft year and their senior year. Jeremy, we're going to turn you loose. Open up your notebook. I figured this week I'd take a little bit of time and kind of talk about the recruiting process, how it's going, how things have really expedited since I personally have started at Perfect Game about eight years ago. Um, you know, when I first started eight years ago, nine years ago, college recruiters were really only looking at players um, in their junior years, heading into their junior years of that summer. And clearly things are changed now. Um, everything's happening a lot quicker. We're seeing 13, 14 new players um, coming off the board, a couple schools already have a few 2025 commits, and that might be putting pressure or some um, unrealistic expectations on other players. And I just wanted to take this time to say it's going to happen. It's going to happen at your own pace. Let's not force it. Um, you know, the recruiting process happens differently for everybody. Whether you're a high-level D1, a D2, a JUCO, you're going to find the right school, and part of the... Uh, the whole experience of rec of committing, rather, is finding that school, finding the coach that fits, finding the program that fits, and, of course, the academics. Does it even have your major, the schools you're looking at? Because that's just as important down the road. We see players asking, hey, should I commit? And if I feel like if you're asking, do you need to commit, you might not be ready to commit. You have your whole high school careers ahead of you. Um, we just saw South Carolina pick up a top 200-ranked player in the 2021 class a couple days ago, and he took his time he out of Kansas, I believe, um, found the right fit, found the right school, and just like that, he's an SEC caliber player, has an SEC home now, and it goes to show that if you have the talent, schools will find a space for you, they'll find some recruiting money for you, and just with the summer starting up, college coaches are going to be able to get back out this year, they're going to start being able to evaluate in person again after over a year hiatus. And with that, you're going to start getting those rec uh, recruiting letters, the phone calls, and it's, um, it's a hectic time. But at the same time, it's something you need to sit back and enjoy the process. Don't rush it. No need to rush it. If you have a favorite school and they come out and they seek you out and everything fits, why not pull the trigger? But at the same time, if you're waiting for a certain school, if you have questions, if you want to take your visits, it's okay to wait. It's okay to take your time. And I just wanted to take a couple minutes here and, and talk through that because we do get a lot of questions. And the most, the, the most common answer to all of them is find what fits for you. And I think if you do that, if you do all your homework, do your research on the schools, on the coaches, you're going to make the right decision, and at the end of the day, you're going to be extremely happy because that is your school, that is your home for the next four years upon graduation. So something unique happened within the last couple of weeks in college baseball. Justin Campbell, who's a SoCal kid who pitches at Oklahoma State, threw a no-hitter, and he's an interesting follow because he did it to Kansas, and the no-hitter is part of what has been a magical journey. Uh, this is just his second year in college. COVID cost him a majority of his first year. And he wants to stick to his guns and being Shohei Otani, right? It's a SoCal kid. He, uh, he understands who he is, but he, for Josh Holiday, wants to pitch and he wants to hit. And when you throw a no-hitter, I don't know what that does. It, it says, well, you, you're going to pitch. There's no doubt you're going to continue to pitch. Um, he's hitting very well, not, not elite level. So it's going to be an interesting follow. Here's the bottom line. I love when Hunter Pence, who's the co-host of my show. Yeah, that's right. That Hunter Pence. It's Perfect Game College Baseball every Tuesday, 10 o'clock, Sirius XM ESPNU. 
takes all these elements. I love when he takes all these elements of an athlete like this uh, young man, Justin Campbell, gets inside his head. Here's a piece of that conversation. I think it's important, and I, I really appreciate that, Justin, that you, you you talked a little bit about you woke up not feeling that great, don't think you have the best in you, arms not feeling that great. And I think a lot of pitchers and a lot of young kids, you know, they don't uh, they don't know that this happened. You, you, and obviously we know the end of the story. You threw a no-hitter, a nine-inning no-hitter in college baseball, which I'm going to shine some light on you. I think college baseball no-hitters are way more difficult than almost any other place because it's a very offensive league. But the last one for Oklahoma State to do it, like like Darren said, 1965 Bob Richardson, nine-inning no-hitter. So you're you're in like an elite elite caliber, this, this accomplishment. And it started off with a day that you just changed your mindset. So I want to thank you for saying that. Um, but talk to me about finishing the ninth inning. You had 11 strikeouts on the day three of them in the ninth inning. What was your mindset going into that ninth inning? Um, after the eighth inning uh, finished, a um, little bummed about that walk. Uh, gave, um, I was having fun with the umpire the next day, um, just messing around with him about the balls being a little bit off, but um, all fun and games there. But man, that, that ninth inning, um, right after the third out of the, the top half, I was like, all right, this is it. This is going to actually be a moment um, that I'll cherish forever. And you just got to start with one pitch at a time and get one, one out um, at every uh, and work on every pitch. And man, that, that, that moment is unbelievable and unforgettable. And it's how to get it, get it done. And my uh, mentality was just to finish the game. Justin, absolutely incredible. And I listened to your coach. Uh, he said that you were your confidence and you were aggressive. The score of the game was 19 to nothing. So this wasn't like, oh, the wind was blowing in. It was a bad hitting conditions. Obviously, like your stuff was on par. And I have to just commend you on having that that mentality to stay locked in in a game that you're so far ahead and, and to finish with confidence and aggression. I think this is this is honestly a story as, as a mental part of the game that I would want to share or, or have you, you know, talk about maybe write in your notebook. Is there anything that you did in particular to kind of like, Retap into that, or are you just embracing it and enjoying it? After the third, it was like the one through three, maybe four. Um, the dugout was just uh, the energy was just incredible there. Um, so I was having fun uh, in the first three to four innings, but after after that, it was just this is lock and mode. Got to finish the game one pitch at a time. As a Big Twelve two way player, as a guy who has a three fifty four on base, and who also, by the way, is throwing a sixty four very effective innings. Uh, follow me here with this one because I, I call his games in my other day job. How much in intrigue do you have in watching how Shohei Otani tries to pull off what he's doing with the Angels? It's incredible. Um, I, when I'm able to hit and pitch for myself, uh, that that day is just very, very exhausting. And I just don't know how he does it for, um, especially at the big league level. But um, watching him do it, uh, it makes me want to um, be exactly like him and Hopefully I can be a role model for younger kids um, down the road. So it's funny. I'm around a team, and this was a fun show, that has veteran catchers in my other gig with the Angels, calling games for the Angels, which I adore, by the way. It's all kinds of fun. But I see veteran catchers keep earning jobs, and I see the Angels in need of veteran catchers because as of right now, they don't have a catcher they've developed that is ready to step in and take over. They're, it seems, It feels to me they're getting more rare and more rare and more rare which opens the door for a guy like Henry Davis. Should he take care of his business? You know, this isn't a high school catcher that we, we wonder if he'll stay behind the plate. 
this is a guy that you wonder, I mean, I'm not trying to be dramatic, couldn't be somebody starting catcher like in 2022, maybe mid-season in the major leagues? Yeah, I definitely think he could. And I think his bat is really important to who he is. He prides himself on his plate discipline and he's clearly put in the work. That's been the most important thing for him. And he's evolving with the catcher position. And I think that you totally hit the nail on the head when it comes to that position. And there's guys who aren't evolving right now. And there are guys who who just don't have it, but teams need a guy like Henry Davis. And I, by the way, thought that he was so well-spoken. His sentences completely put together. He never missed a beat. He really thought about what he was saying. He, he often took a second to think about what he wanted to say, and I appreciated that. But no, I totally think his bat is ready. He said that his receiving skills behind the plate, there are some things he still wants to work on. But man, his bat is really good. And, and for a catcher, people don't care about that anymore. But Henry Davis cares about that, and I think that's going to be the difference for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do a little bit though. I mean, I think, you know, you have, you have to, I think what's interesting is I think he catches at a level that's going to have him getting there fast. And you're right. He's got to have to hit that's to me, that's where he's going to have to prove himself instantly. I mean, that's, that's now that's this summer. He may go do something in the college world series. That's all well and good with all due respect. I'm thinking big picture. Mm -hmm. He's going to be playing somewhere this summer. And um, so it's going to be interesting to see it happen right away. You nailed this one. I mean, you know, Jordan Wicks, Henry Davis, these are guys that are going to have their lives changed forever. And that's that's what I think is fun about this job. Um, I, and especially with a, with a college player, uh, what I think is fun about this job is we're talking now in May to a man who is going to have his life changed forever. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty cool. And a man who in, may be in big league spring training next March. So both these dudes may have a chance to do it. So this was fun. We had a good show. We had a great show. We always have a good show. Yeah, it's always good. I mean, there's no doubt. It's it's excellent. I would give us again another A. Five um, stars. Yeah. Do do people rate it? Is that how that rate works? It. Please review and and subscribe. Give us. Has anyone ever reviewed you on this on this podcast? I haven't checked. I'll have to check. <laughs> Don't aren't they like sent directly to you? They're not. No. Mm-mm. Well, you should go. Do you have like an actual mailbox where you live, like where you can take your key and open and check if you got any letters or anything? In New York City, we do have mailboxes if you're the special lucky ones. Yeah. So I, I'm a special. Go lucky check. One. Maybe the reviews have been mailed to you. They've been mailed to me in my mailbox by pigeon carrier. <laughs> All right. Stop. This podcast is over. We'll, we'll talk next time. We're going to have more superstar people. 